Hello, everybody. Welcome to Therapy Dog Talk. My name is Sherry. My pup's names are Sunny and Riley, and each week we talk with different therapy dog teams and researchers around the world about the impact that they're making in their area. If you're just getting started or you're not sure where to get started, we have a free guide that you can find at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. And we also have a community you can join at community.therapydogtalk.com. I'm so excited for today's guest. If you've been around for a long time or binge past episodes, then you may remember Hallie with her dog, Buddy. And this time she's joining us to talk about Apgar. And we'll probably get a little update on Buddy as well. Hello. Yeah. I'm doing great. How are you? You're good. Well, this is Apgar. Some of you guys may remember him. <laughs> we'll see if he wants to participate in today. I just got home from teaching our guide dog puppy class, so he's very excited to see me and would like to play and not sit still right now. Well, for those who don't know you or may not have tuned in before, would you like to introduce us to yourself and your pups? Absolutely. So my name's Hallie, and I have two dogs. I have Apgar, who's right here, and then I also have Morris, who is being very sad at his channel right now to us. Hello. Morris is a guide dog puppy with Southeastern Guide Dogs, and Affer is the guide dog puppy that I raised before. We were on probably a little over a year ago before Astar was released with Buddy, who is a golden retriever that I also raised for Southeastern Guide Dogs that my mom and I jokingly share custody of. Buddy was released from the guide dog program due to separation anxiety during COVID and because I work in a hospital, he went to my mom's to recover from his neuter and then just kind of settle into pet life while we were figuring out what COVID was going to look like because he was released two weeks into the pandemic. And he decided that living at her house was way more fun than living at my house because she works from home and has another dog there. So then I got Mr. here to raise. And unfortunately, right at a year ago, it's just been just over a year after I was medically released from Southeastern Guide Dogs. He is a full lab. He is two and a half, but he unfortunately developed a condition called USMI, which is urinary stinker mechanism incontinence. Basically what it is, is nocturnal incontinence. Pretty common in spayed females, but it's not that common in spayed males. The research I've seen has said it's only about 4% of young male dogs have it. So unfortunately, that ended his working career because he requires medication three times a day. But just like with Buddy, I was like, you know, he's had all this training and Afgar's just always had a really calm, kind of giant teddy bear demeanor. And so I was like, well, let's see if he likes therapy dog work. And he has taken to it like a duck to water. He's closing in on about 50 hours worth of visits that he's done. And he loves it. So he does come to work with me. I work in a forensic psychiatric hospital. And so he comes to work and works with my patients in a group setting. And then he also has done some community therapy work. We have gone to the local university during finals week for stress relief. We've gone to my old high school for stress relief. So we've been able to do a lot of different fun things. That's awesome. I can't remember if you were volunteering when we talked before or if Buddy was just coming to work with you because it was closer to COVID. We were doing a little bit. So kind of the same thing we were doing with Apgar, but he was going to my high school. So we go to my old high school, usually at least once a semester to just kind of talk. They have a pet club. We talk about therapy dogs. Usually I take whatever program puppy I've got to talk about that 
service dogs on a different day. And then Betty's also done some therapy work in some other places now as well, which is those kids must think you're so cool coming in with all these different great dogs. Yeah. And clap. They're like, how many dogs do you have? Because every year I come in with a different dog and I'm like, I promise all these dogs don't live with me. Right. No. It depends on the day. Yeah. My program puppies are just here temporarily. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember Buddy and his emotional support, Ellie, at your mom's. He still has his emotional support, Ellie. He loves his emotional support, Ellie. They are still best buds. He very much depends on her to tell him if situations are scary or not. So, I love it. Everyone needs emotional support, Ellie. And so, do Buddy and Apgar take turns coming to work with you? They do. Yeah. Apgar does come a little bit more just because he's always with me. So Tuesdays and Thursdays are when we do our therapy animal program. We also have a rabbit and a guinea pig in the hospital. So Mm -hmm. typically we do one day a week with the dogs, one day a week with the little critters. I have to time it a little bit better with Betty because our proofer situation has changed. And Apgar can be in the room with our rabbit and our guinea pig. He'll check him out. He'll sniff him. He'll lick at him. But he really leaves him alone for the most part. Buddy would very much like to play with them. And I don't think nicely. Did I say parental nibbles, mom? Yeah, his prey drive is definitely activated. So I have to bring him on days that we can go into a different group room. But what's been so fun about alternating these two is they're just so different in personality. We run on a 12-week quarter system with our groups. So the beginning of July was the beginning of our new quarter. And so one of the first things that we typically do is we go over some group roles and expectations for safety because we're working with big animals, but we're also working with little animals and they respond very differently. But I also have a little info sheet that talks about how old my dogs are and who their parents were and what their siblings' names are. And Buddy's kind of fun because Buddy's got quite a few both siblings and half siblings that are with Alliance of Therapy Dogs. So we joke that it runs in the family. And then we talk about what their likes and their dislikes are. And what's been interesting is because Buddy and Apgar are so different, Buddy's very much kind of the class clown, wants to check everybody out, very excited to see everybody, wants to get a laugh. Whereas Apgar is just a lot more passive. If you have a higher energy, he's kind of like, wait till you calm down. Versus Buddy is very attracted to that high energy. Sure. So we've gotten a chance to talk about how to read people's emotions and their boundaries and like read the room. And, you know, Buddy loves things that Apgar doesn't. Like Buddy loves having his teeth brushed and being having his coat brushed and all of that. Apgar is not quite so crazy about that. But then Apgar is the one who just wants to sit and snuggle with you. And Buddy is not quite. He likes to snuggle, but he also wants to be in the middle of the action. Whereas Apgar is just more content to kind of work the room, go from person to person. So it's a very different experience with these guys. They have very different energy. And so it's kind of fun to see who they attract in the group and how my individuals respond to that. Although, as I say, that Apgar is not the class clown. This is currently. He's like, why are out of me, mom? That's fantastic. I remember when you were on with Buddy, you were telling actually a couple of really funny stories. But the one that people have brought back time and time again that have been referenced by people who listened to that episode was the one with the modeling. Yeah. Yeah. And so I wondered if, and no pressure, because I totally didn't prep you on this, 
But I wondered if you had a similar example, it doesn't have to be the same situation, but of how Apgar has really helped someone or how he works with the people that you work with. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because I was kind of thinking about that. I actually listened to our old episode because I was like, gosh, it's been so long. Like, I don't remember what all we talked about, but I know we always talk about that story. And I think one of the things with Apgar that really sticks out is everybody's person is Buddy's favorite person. He, I mean, he's just a golden. So he thinks everybody is his best friend and he's just so excited for everyone. App, it's funny because he's got people that he kind of gravitates towards and usually it's people that he knows really well, like my coworker, Brittany, that I do our animal therapy group with. He loves her. I always have to just look at him and I'll go, where's Aunt Brittany? And he freaks out at work, runs to where her office is. But because he's a little more particular, he's kind of got people that he'll go to more than others. And what's funny is it's it's usually the people that are a lot more withdrawn and introverted, which I never really expected from him because he likes having one-on-one attention. But I would say if Apgar was a human, Apgar would absolutely be a little bit more of an introvert. So he's not typically one to go out and like really push on somebody to try to get them to engage. But he's so funny after group. I'll let him out and he usually just walks right next to me. And he's got his little fan club of people who will be like, oh, there's Apgar. Can I say hi? And he kind of knows who just needs that extra little bit. And instead of being like, okay, I was here for five minutes, I'm done. He will just kind of stop and sit with them for a minute. I just think that's really unique with him because, again, he is very much a mommy boy and very much wants to be with me. But he's just so gentle with people. And a lot of people don't expect that because he's just a moose. And I just think that that's been one of the best traits with him. In terms of the modeling, we haven't had quite as much because we're doing a little bit more group stuff, but we've been able to kind of incorporate it in terms of reading his body language and things like that because Apgar's a lot more, again, if Apgar was a human, he would definitely be an introvert. And so is a lot more subtle with his body language. And so we've really had to key into like, okay, how can we tell if Apgar likes something or not? How can we tell if this is something that makes him feel uncomfortable because Buddy will move away. But Apgar, he's a lot more subtle. So if he doesn't like something, typically the first thing we'll notice about him are his ears. He's just got these huge, ginormous ears. And he's always had huge, ginormous ears since he was a puppy, haven't you? So that's one of the first thing I key in with people is pay attention to Apgar's ears. Buddy is going to put his ears back when he's super scared about something and his ears go forward when he's really into something. Apgar is a little bit different. Apgar puts on what I call the Dobby ears when he's really excited. But when he's kind of like, I really like this, his ears get very square and straight. So they've had to learn how to read that with them and then pay attention to that. And, you know, I'll tell them that they're trying to call Apgar and Apgar's not coming over. I'll be like, what does Apgar look like when you call him? Why does he maybe not want to come over near you? Why is he picking to come over by me instead? Um, Yeah. Buddy's story, I think, is just so, it's so (laughs) sweet. And it's one of my favorites, and I tear up every time I tell it. But it's just such a unique story. I wish I had, like, a cool magic moment like that with Apgar yet. We don't, but he's just at the beginning of his therapy career, so maybe one day we will. Yeah, no, there's no pressure for him. We don't need him to live up to his brother's standards. Yeah. He's his own dog. 
say, and I just thought about this too, the modeling, because I work in psychiatric care, medication compliance is one of our big things that we struggle with. And because Apgar is on, he takes Proin for his incontinence every day. And then we also recently, per the recommendation of his vet, started him on fish oil. He's on a joint supplement and then he's on a tartar supplement. He's got a whole pill box with the labels of the dates and the times and all that. And we actually do talk a lot about that and why it's important for him to take that medication and what happens if he does it and how it's not Apgar's fault that his body doesn't work right. We haven't had any major breakthroughs, but I think that knowing like, oh, this dog, you know, takes medicine every day. We talk about what happens if he doesn't take his medicine, which for him, it's minor. He just pees himself while he's asleep. It's inconvenient, but not like threatening, not harmful, but Sure. We talk a lot about what does that look like for you if you don't take your medicine every day? What changes do you see in yourself, either physically or psychosocially? Yeah. No, it sounds like that's a really good example for them. And even the stuff you've talked about quite a bit here with just since they get the experience of working with Buddy and Apgar, like how both dogs were trained by you, but they have very different personalities. And very so much Yeah. What do you think you've learned from bringing both of them to work with you. Oh, gosh. I really have to drop my expectations down. Buddy and I have worked together as a team for so long that at first I was like, I know Apgar can do the therapy dog work. I just don't know if he's going to enjoy it because, again, he's very much attached to me. He kind of wants to be by my side at all times. He's got his people that he likes, but he's not like Buddy where just the whole world is his best friend. Yeah. So I was like, well, I know he can pass the testing. We'll give it a shot and see. And if he really is not taking to it, we're not going to push it. But at first I was kind of expecting him to be a little bit like Buddy. And Buddy just, he showed to therapy work from day one. He really did. And he was just the most incredible source of joy and therapy that we had because he became a therapy dog in the middle of COVID. Yeah. And so we really were doing a lot of one-to-one work and then slowly went back into groups. And so it was a different experience with Apgar when I first started taking him and putting him in that. Apgar did not need the mind shift that Buddy did. Buddy took a little bit to when I would put his therapy dog vest on him initially, he kind of went into guide dog mode. We didn't have that quite as much with Apgar. And I think it's just because he was so used to coming to work in that capacity. Yeah. You know, I... Give him a little bit of time off, but he, it just seemed like he was not enjoying it for a little bit. And so I really had to learn to lower my expectations for Apgar and not expect him to be like Buddy. And as soon as I did that, it was like we unlocked a whole new door with him. We were able to do so much more, but I kind of figured out, okay, Buddy is really great for like the hygiene aspect of things because he loves being touched and brushed and groomed and all of that stuff. Yeah. Apgar is really good for the body language aspect and learning how to communicate both verbally and non-verbally. We're looking at him for like a social and a relational aspect. That's where Apgar's really been such a great asset to our program. So that's something that I, I didn't expect. And it's been a fun, unexpected surprise to kind of see him thrive in that role. I know you keep saying lowering your standards. It sounds more like reframing your yeah. standards, your expectations, and just realizing that Apgar's his own. I keep trying to say his own person. Yeah, it's Gundam, his own personality, and he has different things to bring to the table. And it's really cool. Yeah.
That's awesome. What did you see in him that let you know, yeah, he does enjoy therapy work and we're going to keep doing this together? He loved guide dog work. With Buddy, I think I might have talked about this. It was a little bit of a relief when he got released because those expectations, specifically with his just absolute, I'm not going to be created at all kind of behavior that he still has it for. We were able to lower that pressure a lot versus after he left work. He was literally released two weeks before he was supposed to go in. We knew it was coming. We were kind of hoping that we could figure this out and it not come to this point, but unfortunately it didn't. And so his release from the program was a little bit harder because he just really loved working. He loved going out. He was just so good at what he did. With Buddy, I realized looking back, part of Buddy's good behavior was not so much good behavior as much as it was Buddy just relied on me for support. Yeah. That is not the case with Aftar. Aftar very much thrived in his own environment and very much thrived working. And he just became such a reliable, responsible worker that it was a shame to realize that was the end of the road for him. Yeah. But because he loved working, he loved having a purpose. I was like, let's see if we can reframe this. And so now Aftar gets really excited. I keep his vest at work. He comes to work with me some days when he's not working. If I've got like slower days in the office. So he's usually there with me on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. But if I say, oh, Edgar, do you want to go to work? He gets really excited. As soon as I pull out his vest, he's ready to go. I'll get his bag of treats that we take with us. And his ears go back. It sounds weird to say that this dog smiles. He absolutely does. But he gets very excited. If I tell him we're going to go to work and we're going to get some cookies. After I go to work. Do you want to go to work? Yeah, he loves it. He, he gets so excited when I pull out his vest. He wears a specific collar when he's working that's got his ATD tag on it. And so he loves getting to see that. And so it's been fun to repurpose him in that way. And he's been able to still work. Working just looks differently for him. Does yeah. that work? Yes. We've also been able to train him a little bit to do some fun stuff that are more work-related cues. So now he knows if he'll do it. Will you wait? Can you wait so they can say, can you wait? Oh, good job, buddy. Everybody loves that he waves. I didn't expect him to enjoy therapy dog work as much as he has. I expected him to enjoy having a purpose, but he's really just enjoyed having something to do still. <laughs> Been in that same capacity. Well, Mama Becca says, hello, Abgar. Oh, <laughs> yes, I see that is the girl, Camille, who has who's Apgar's mom one of the things that was fun was when he was still on program yes we got to go and see her they lived down in Florida so Apgar got to go see his mom again when he was about a year old and we stand them Hagrid was also excited to see Apgar and Kathy's here too oh we love Hagrid and Kathy tell the boys we say hello (laughs) Otto is Buddy's half brother, right? Yeah. So yeah. Patty was on, I think, episode 31. Yeah. Otto. Yeah. So Buddy has, from his mom's first letter, there's Otto and then a female golden named Liberty, who is actually a retired reader for Guide Dogs for the Blind in California now. Okay. Um, And they are are both with the Alliance of Therapy Dog. Then in Buddy's letter, he has a sister named Leola. And a brother named Remus who do therapy work with Alliance as well. Oh. Someone was asking 
about what breed of dog do you think suits therapy dogs? And I think that gets talked about, I don't know, maybe a little bit too much because a lot of times it's the dog in front of you more than the breed yeah. itself. But I'm curious, since you've had experience with both a Labrador and a Golden, if there's anything you've seen that's maybe more breed than personality or if it's really just individual personality in their case. Kind of a tough one. So my very first therapy dog that I had was a yellow lab named Lulu. She was my pet dog that I had in college. I think I talked about her a little bit on Buddy's episode. He was a yellow lab, but just two-thirds Aptor's large size. <laughs> and she did not become a therapy dog until she was older. She was 10. Okay. But, you know, I think she was much more similar to Apgar, and I don't know if that's lab or if that's just them. You know, when I worked with our therapy dog program out in Colorado, we had a couple of golden retrievers that I think were very similar to Buddy, where they just thought everybody was their best friend. But I think the thing that is so different between the two is not necessarily personality. I think it's very much breed, because I think a little bit with these guys, their breed is a big part of their personality. Apgar is very gentle. He's very calm. He's very laid back. Betty is just a lot more outgoing and kind of a doofus, but in a very tearing way, like a typical golden. It's funny. I know one of the girls who has his sister who works for Southeastern Guide Dogs, and I got the chance to see his sister when I was on campus in January. And her owner said something about, you know, Penelope takes medication for something. And she's like, oh, I've got to give Penelope her brain cells. And I was like, oh, that's funny because Buddy only has two brain cells or only has three brain cells, but only two work at a time. I was like, but all three of them are super friendly and fun. So, you know, I think Goldens are just known for being a lot more like lackadaisical and whimsical and goofy and just kind of fun versus the labs can be a little bit more, I think a little bit more, not necessarily introverted, but just kind of like, Okay, one at a time, like I'm going to come to you and then I'm going to come to you because that's how both Lulu and Apgar had been versus Buddy, who's just constantly making laps, like zigzagging across the room. Who's going to laugh at me the most? So, and did you raise Lulu also? I can't remember. So, yes, but no. So, Lulu was not a program dog. My brother had her. And then I got her for two weeks when my brother was going through a divorce and ended up keeping her for five years. So, I got her when she was four. And I had her until she passed away just after her 10th birthday. She was a rescue lab. She wasn't like a breeder lab or from any program. It happened to be a really good dog. I was just curious because we talked about this a little bit in the episode with Bree and Mickey. But it's worth noting that the dogs that you're raising are coming from lines specifically bred to be guide dogs. Yeah. So, like, not all Goldens and not all labs are bred the same. In her right. case, she all labs make great therapy dogs. And her dog actually ended up being from more of, like, a hunting line, which is yeah. a completely different thing. Yeah. So, that's the thing. My husband has never had a dog before. And so, after kind of the first dog he's ever had. And after, she's so good because, like, he's really calm. He's laid back. He just wants to snuggle. When we got our cat. Stevie, we found her almost a year ago now as this tiny, super sick four-wiggled kit, and he'd never been around cats, and she was less than a pound when we found her, and he was just, like, so gentle and easygoing with her, and to this day, she hates Morris. Morris will be asleep in the kennel, and she walks by and hisses at him to remind him that she does not like 
that she snuggles up to Apgar, so she won Apgar's ears, she'll bat at Apgar's tags, because he's just really calm. Morris is the total opposite. Morris, I don't think, would enjoy therapy work, and I don't think he would make a good therapy doc. Morris is very high energy, very high drive, also super mouthy. His nickname is Morris the Menace for good reason. So he, I think, wants a job where he's up and he's moving and there's a lot of activity and a lot of stimulation. Apgar just kind of wants to be wherever the people are. Yeah. He really just wants to be wherever I am. And I feel like labs, like for the most part, most Goldens are really fun and easygoing. Sometimes a little bit like, oh my gosh, I don't know, but I'm super happy, but I'm scared. Like kind of how Buddy is. I feel like labs are very much divided into two categories. They're either absolutely chaotic and crazy like from that field hunting line or they're just like so good so calm so mellow like perfect children but i mean it's also worth noting like at first two and a half now and i have not had the benefit of getting to live with one of my dogs when they've made it into full adulthood after they've left the program it is really nice there's a lot of work that goes into it but it's really nice because after was just if you'd asked me two years ago if I would have this dog, I would have told you absolutely not. As soon as the stock's getting released, getting rid of him. I couldn't stand him the first three months I had him because he was so bad. He cried constantly, barked constantly. He could literally be next to me in the kennel and would be barking at me. His record was over three hours of not stop barking. I did not think we were going to survive his first year of puppyhood. We kind of got through that hump. He figured out you can be confined in a crater on a tie down or you can be in a different room while I go take a shower and you're not going to die. Maturity helped a lot. Hormones actually shockingly did him some good. Men about the time the hormones were driving me crazy, he got neutered. So that was nice. It was good timing with everything. So, you know, he's just really grown into a very nice, pleasant adult dog. But he also, again, doesn't come from the crazy lab lines. Yeah. Well, I'd like to address the Morris in the room. Yeah. Morris is what, your fourth puppy? Fifth for the yeah. Okay. So what do you really enjoy about raising puppies for this program? Just I keep doing it. I love the challenge of puppy raising. I did not expect to like puppy raising as much as I did. So my first puppy was a finisher. He's nine or ten months old when I got him, a gold retriever named Quirk. Then I had Buddy. Then I had Clark, who is a working guide dog now. He was my first lab. I keep ending up with all the yellow boys. Then I had Apgar. And between Apgar and Morris, I was going to take a break because I got married earlier this year. We were coming in on wedding time. So I started a puppy, Josh, who was affectionately known as Munchie at the time because he did not have a name. And, you know, I like watching these dogs grow and develop. Josh is now in his second month of guide dog training on the campus. and. That's super fun. Just kind of getting to hear his reports and see how he's doing. Morris is actually 10 months old today. So he is closing in on a year and he is probably my wildest, most energetic and most opinionated puppy. Morris very much wants him things his way. He wants to be in the thick of everything that's going on. That's why he's affectionately called Morris the Menace because he just wants to be in the middle of all the excitement. But, you know, I just love watching these puppies, their personalities develop, seeing where they're going to end up, what they're going to do, and then getting to follow them. I keep in touch with Clark's handler. She actually traveled to Washington, D.C. this weekend and sent me some pictures, which was fun to see, of him and the Smithsonian. So it's 
it's just always fun to get to watch these develop. And it's fun to get to challenge my skills. Morris has been, like I said, my highest energy boy that I've had so far. So it's been a little bit of a challenge navigating, like, how do I manage his energy level, his constant need to be doing something, but also teach him how to settle down. You know, each one of my puppies teaches me something very different and teaches me something super important. And each one of them makes me a better handler. You know, I often say, gosh, I wish I could go back with Lulu, with all the knowledge that I have now after all these boys, because I don't think I ever did anything wrong with her, with what I knew then, but I just know so much more now that I'm like, I could have just done so much more with this dog than I realized at the time. Yeah. I think that's always true when you're not on dog number one anymore. Yeah. But I mean, that's part of the fun of it is like just getting your own challenge. I actually now am the club leader for our group of puppies. And so Akbar is frequently there. When we are at pet friendly outings or things like that, people get to practice working him. I still bring Buddy around for that. And so it's kind of fun for them to get to see, okay, here's the end product. Yeah. Here's where we're starting at. And then also, too, for my puppy people, for them to see, like, she's Akbar's just so good. But again, Akbar's to a calf. Right. So for them to get to see with Morris, Morris is Morris the Menace for a reason. We love him. But he is just constantly on the go. And so for them to get to see, too, like, it's just, You know, all of our puppies, they go through really great phases and they go through phases where you're about to tear your hair out. It's all normal. And it's I don't even think that's unique to guide dog puppies. I think that's just unique to owning a puppy because they all hit that hormone teenage phase, which is what we're in the middle of right now, which is so fun. Uh, Just a blast. What's so funny is Morris at work. Perfect. He has the best manners in the crate on the tie down. He's so good with people coming in and out of my office. But he knows he's working even if he's not in code. Yeah. When we're at home, he knows, like, I'm just a regular dog here. I get to enjoy playing with all the pet dog bones. He doesn't get furniture privileges, but he tears through our house like Edgar. He chews on everything. They go in the backyard and run around like crazy. So at home, he knows, like, all bets are off. I don't have to be a working dog. I just have to have good manners. Bert is at work. He knows he's got to be on his A game. Well, Holly, I don't want to hold you here forever, but what advice do you have for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog team? Oh, gosh, what advice? Hi. Do you want to share your advice? Is that why you're blocking the camera? I think first, make sure that you know your dog, that you've got a really strong relationship with your dog. And that's for two big reasons. One, you need to know how to read your dog because your dog's going to tell you when they're enjoying themselves and when they need a break. But I think also the other important part of knowing your dog is that that just gives you that much of a stronger bond when you go out and you do these things together. You know, you just get to have these really incredible experiences. Being a therapy dog team is something that I think is super unique. There are a lot of therapy dog teams out there, but each one has kind of their own story of how their dogs have impacted people. And what that's been like for their own lives. So I think just knowing your dog really well is important. And also realizing like if your dog needs some time to adapt to therapy dog work, that's totally okay. I thought that Afgar was going to need a lot more time to adjust. He took more time than Buddy did. But, you know, it's okay for your dog to need to adjust to their new role. There are so many emotions that are coming into play with both the handler and their participants in any therapy dog program. So it's sometimes a lot for dogs, but it's just incredible the impact that they can have on people. Well, Hallie, is there anything else that you wanted to share while you're here? Just thanks for having us on again. We love getting to talk about what we do. I think the population that we work with is 
really unique because I think a lot of therapy dogs are usually in like your typical hospital, children's hospitals or nursing homes or first responders or things like that. Forensic psychiatric patients are not typically the first people that people think of when they think of therapy animals. But because of our therapy dog program, it has grown at our own hospital to include our rabbit and our guinea pig and now many horses. And so it's just been really cool to see the impact our therapy docs have had on our hospital as a whole. Yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. And if people want to follow your journey, they can find you at Apgars underscore buddy underscore Morris underscore. Yeah. (laughs) So I had to try to get creative when Morris came to think of an Instagram handle that would include all the boys. And so I figured that's the easiest transfer more of that to whoever I happen to have at the time. Oh, I see. I see what you're doing. Yeah, there. so I've got Ether and Buddy and then Morris. So do you think Morris. Morris will continue on to school soon then? He should. He turns a year old on October 7th. And they're considered quote-unquote fair game anytime after that point. But he'll probably go in sometime between 14 and 17 months. So sometime between December and February. Okay. I anticipate. So... The first big thing we're waiting to hear next from him is he is officially at the age where they start looking to see, okay, do we want to consider keeping this dog intact for the rest of their puppy raising career and then look at them as a breeder? Or are we pretty sure that we don't want them to join our breeding colony because we have too many dogs that are related to or what have you? Yeah. They just have the traits that we're looking for right now. So we should find out in the next couple of weeks if Morris is going to be on the list to be neutered or on. And I go back and forth on whether or not I would like for him to be neutered or become a puppy daddy. There are some days that I'm like, those hormones are going to kill me. We're very much in that teenage puppy phase. Does it make you nervous at all, given what happened with Apgar? You know, and how long we last in that? And it doesn't, for a couple of reasons. Apgar's situation was so unique. And his wasn't related to the neuter procedure itself. USMI and nail dogs is due to the loss of hormone. So it wasn't necessarily his age. It happens a lot in female dogs that have pediatric space, but in male dogs, because it's the loss of hormone, it isn't really something that's genetic or it's just something that from what I have been told and what little bit of research is out there, which is a ton. Mm -hmm. I'd have neutered him at two years old and probably the same thing would have happened. Gotcha. So there was nothing that went wrong in his neuter. His neuter surgery itself went great. He had a textbook procedure, you know, and when we started seeing the symptoms was actually about six weeks, almost to the day after their procedure. And that's about how long it takes for those hormones to re-level out. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't. I mean, it's so uncommon. Southeastern breeds about 250 puppies a year so we see things more frequently for medical stuff than most people say because the average labrador breeder is not breeding that many puppies in a year or times even in their entire career you know we are breeding puppies for a very specific purpose so sure more of those weird kind of medical things but it doesn't make me worried for morris because it's just one of those weird fluke things that happened yeah so one last question and Someone is interested in the idea of becoming a puppy raiser. How would they go about doing that? Well, 
I, of course, have to shout out my own program that I was Southeastern guide on. Because we have puppy raisers literally all over the country. We have a remote raiser program that's actually bigger than any of our localized groups. So you can be anywhere in the United States and raise a puppy if you're willing to do the work. So for us, for Southeastern, I would recommend going to guidedogs.org, D-O-G-S.org. And go into the Get Involved tab because we have the opportunity to do what we call choose your adventure with puppy raising. You can raise for three, six, or 12 months, which is really fun because if you're kind of trying to see, oh, is this for me? There's a lot of flexible raising options for you. But if you're just trying to see if you want to get into it, there is actually an organization that we do a lot of work with called Possible Inc. Um, their website, I think, is possibleinc.org or possibleinc.com. And on there, they have a puppy raising page and they have all of the organizations that they specifically work with, which is not an exhaustive list, but it talks about different puppy raising organizations in terms of what breeds do they use? What are they training these dogs for? Are there any stipulations? So some groups want you to be more local to their campus, some don't. What do they pay for? So Southeastern specifically, they pay for everything except for food. And food is coming, which is really exciting for puppy raisers. So soon, puppy raising will no longer be an out-of-pocket cost, with the exception of traveling to turn your puppy back in. Some places, they do different training techniques. The advanced training is a little different. So that's a really great resource if people want to look at something that's more local to them and they're not necessarily situated in the southeastern U.S. for southeastern guide dogs. But yeah, I would say go check that out. You know, you don't have to be an experienced dog handler or dog trainer. I certainly was not. Everybody starts with their first puppy somewhere. And if your puppy doesn't make it for whatever reason, we have, I can't even tell you how many dogs we have from Southeastern that have been career changed or they're retired breeders or retired guide and service dogs even that now can therapy work. So it's a pretty cool organization and puppy raisers, regardless of what organization you're with, we all are here for the same purpose. And we love getting to add new people to our circle. And also they can always message me too if they have questions about it. But. Of course. Well, thank you so much, Holly. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. Right? Goodbye. Can you-, you go to turn this way, buddy. I know you have no idea what camera is. Can you say, can you wait by? Can you wait? Wait by. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, tell buddy we said hi to you. We will. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye.